0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host alongside me, Elliot, the ductator himself. How you doing tonight?
1: We have not had a podcast where we talk and get to uh, go over hunts and just hang out and stuff for quite some time. So, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk and relive some of these hunts and duck season's winding down it is on its last <laughs> breath and part of me feels like it's over
0: right now yeah quite honestly yeah no today is our last day of duck season here locally so we still have light goose but um yeah the last day of duck season is a somber day i feel like so um, did you go out today you said that maybe you were going to try to go out yep yeah, i did nothing um no, I shot some geese, but I didn't shoot. I did not shoot a duck.
1: <laughs> how how many geese do you have on the year at this point? That's a good question. Last
0: um, year you had almost
1: fifty, I think, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I have to double check, but I you did have time. quite a few. I think I had closer. I think I was closer to like forty, but um, I'm pretty sure that I am somewhere around like 15 16 mark for geese this year. No wait. I don't know. I'll have to double check the stats.
1: I know you I know your migration has been brutal this year for sure, but I'm I know for ducks I'm a little surprised that you know, I feel like that the goose migration is a little less finicky at least in the central flyway than the duck migration. I mean, the geese are going to get here Um, it's going to, I know pretty much when it's going to be, but the duck migration, especially mallard, I should say is a, is a little more finicky. I'm surprised that you guys haven't still been able to get on more geese.
0: Yeah. Well, generally in the early season, we can get on a, some, a few hunts. Um, you know, last year we got some on the early season up in Michigan and even through Indiana the first few weeks. But, uh, you know, I've still got them kind of picked them off here or there and, um, we really did um right now is right where the the goose hunting gets good um for our year I mean seeing a lot a lot more here recently, so um things are definitely looking up as far as as goose hunting goes,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had my normal amount of geese this year, I normally them between five and fifteen on a banner a year, but uh geese I just don't shoot I just don't shoot 'em like you do,
0: yeah, well. I mean, also you don't target them because you definitely could shoot them <laughs> more than I do yeah, if you that, wanted yes, to. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I just don't.
1: <laughs> I just don't target them. Uh, I've come to the point where, you know, I had a field goose hunt that I could have gone on, but I don't know why I have so such low desire to hunt geese in a field. I, I don't know. I mean, in February I wouldn't, but I feel like if there's mallards to be chased, I'm. I kind of feel. I hate to even say this. Cause I'm not going to say it that way. I just don't have a lot of desire to go after him in, in the field I yeah. just, on a pond. I do. I just like water so much. So like a goose hunt on a pond, I'm a lot more, I'm a lot more likely to go on that.
0: Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Um, I definitely, I definitely enjoy water hunts more. Um, same with the river. So like, I don't know. There is just something about it. Like having a goose de- decoy into the water. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just a lot that goes into it, but then again, like I am fine with going on those field hunts, but I, I definitely have a preference to, um, to water.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not, and again, not that I wouldn't go on um, a field goose hunt. It's just kind of certainly if I prioritize everything I like to do as far as waterfowling, that's down on the list for some reason. I just am in love with mallards. I just. <laughs> When they're, I mean, when they're circling and you're calling them and it's just there's nothing there's nothing like it for me. There's just nothing else like it. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. Looks like you had 30 geese last year. Okay. But yeah, that seems more, more that. reasonable. I thought you had more than that. You had 119 total waterfowl hmm. last year. So you crushed them last year. I'm trying to lift your spirits a little bit. <laughs> Everyone, Jordan is going through a rough time now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, been it's a bad, bad year for the guy. <laughs> yeah. My, my, uh, I haven't looked up to my, my hunt stats are not up to date and partly because of that lack of motivation mm-hmm. just to fill them in when, when you're doing bad, but I'll go, I'll backtrack and I'll, and I'll fill them in here. Um,
1: you must have a bunch to fill in cuz you only have 20 hunts <laughs> logged.
0: I've, I I haven't filled them in since the Kansas collab.
1: <laughs> how many hunts have you been? how many hunts have you? Been? I'm surprised you haven't cuz last year you went on just a boatload of hunts.
0: No, I, hunts I have as been as on a, a boatload still, so.
1: So you probably have 20 to log. See, you <laughs> haven't written those down. Your stats are scratch. <laughs> that's that's one of the that's one of the downsides of the hunt stats are keeping like a log is when you don't do well your desire to log is zero i mean you know if you should limit you're like it's really easy to keep track and <laughs> log everything but when you get a string of zeros man it can be really or even like one here zero there one there it becomes very difficult to stay consistent with logging that stuff
0: yeah, yeah. no i, I still got it i know which, which hunts i've been on and everything it just gotta go back and track them in but I, I i did a comparison from last year to this year i did it on the 29th um and the 29th last year i'd hit my 100th bird for the season and this year on the 29th i was at 59 so <laughs> it's been Man. a li- been a little lackluster and i don't i i hate to be like a complainer and all that you know um because that's a lot of birds regardless right so yeah um well when
1: your harvest is cut
0: in half that's uh you know, yeah, it's easy
1: to be, to feel that way for sure. I know my, the second, the first two years I filmed FDH, I've talked about this a lot or two of my worst years ever. And it was my first two years filming. So I had lots of comments of like the show, but those guys have no idea how to get on birds and those guys just can't shoot any birds. Just like comment after comment after comment thinking, oh, oh, it was a, it was a gut punch constantly. And uh, after that second year where I only shot, like it was in the forties. Um, at that, at that point in time, I was shooting between 70 and 80 in our normal season. Um, I didn't hunt as much as I do now, or I can uh, try to get, come close to a hundred on good years, but it was just like, Oh, that second year when I, I got skunked 45% of my hunts <laughs> that year. And cause you've been talking to me, it's been a struggle. And, and it's, I remember how I felt in the year. Cause I was doing a lot of live streams with Patreon guys, um, with Drake and everything. He was crushing him in his videos and, it's just rough. It's, it's not fun, but we all, we all, everyone that hunts a lot is going to go through some of these years where yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't go well.
0: Yeah. And this, this year has been super weird because it's not like, I would say that I haven't been on like a ton of skunks, but it's just like a ton of like, you're just working hard, scratching out every bird, you know? And so you get, mm-hmm. you just get like a few, you know, um, which generally kind of just keeps you, keeps you happy and keeps you going <laughs> opposed to like a skunk really beats you down um you know yeah mm-hmm. when you just don't see nothing but you know when you're just getting that one group that just keeps you coming back you know
1: <laughs> it so. makes a huge difference between a skunk and seeing some birds and shooting two or three I mean it is a huge difference for sure yep and that's what saved my season that well saved my Every year you're going to have a, at least a stretch of your season that's slow normally. I mean, you're not going to go September, October, November, December, January, February and be like hot the whole time. You know, you're normally going to get a couple months in there that are that are slow or a struggle and for me it was after um like the second week of November till the mid part of December. It was about 6 weeks that just the weather was brutal. That was right during that collab time, you know, and and um but fortunately We've got a couple spots or a spot specifically, um, but really a couple that are always kind of producers. So during that stretch, we were able to go out and shoot three birds one day, five birds the next. And, and you know, enough that you don't just feel like it's hopeless, you know, like a day. I always compare it to fishing. Like if you're fishing and nothing's biting, you feel like there is no fish in the body of water that you're that you're fishing. You feel like at least I do. That's how I feel. Um, oh, yeah. and if you're on skunk country, you're not even seeing birds. It's the same thing. You just feel like, well, there's no way I'm going to shoot anything. <laughs> you know?
0: Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, before we jump into the main part of the podcast, let's go ahead, get a quick word from our partners and then we'll jump right into it. And so, um, but I guess before we, we talk about the the sponsors, just, just to give an overview, we're going to be, uh, talking about our hunt updates. Elliot's been crushing it out there in Kansas um, and I have some river hunts to talk about as well. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead. Quick word from the partners and we'll jump into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Gunner Kennels, USA made. They are the double wall roto molded and five star crash test rated. Um, you know, uh, we say it time and time again, but all, all these trips we go on from point A to point B, Uh, you know, it's just the peace of mind you get knowing your dog is protected out there. Um, the testimonials are amazing seeing, uh, trucks flipped over on the gunner kennel. They're holding and the dogs come out unscathed. Um, you know, we both love our hunting buddies, uh, you know, a ton. So, uh, we don't want nothing to happen to them. Um, and that's why, that's why we're both using gunner kennels. Uh, to get our dogs from point A to point A to get them from all the hunts. So check those guys out, Duck Gun 10 no spaces, 10% off at checkout.
1: Well, I've been using the Motion Ducks decoy spreader two years in a row now. And, you know, for the past five years, um, we've specifically been looking for a solution to days in which the wind is five or below because looking at my log and my, and my, um, all my data, you just know when days are terrible. I mean, they're just, they're about a bird less per hunt, which is very significant. Um, and so we've been thinking, you know, what, what are we going to do? And and so we, we kind of started with this idea of downsizing, um, our spreads during those five and below days. And so these last years, especially this year, as like, okay, on these no wind days, we're going to go motion ducks, decoy spreader and about half a dozen to a dozen around it. So you've got about, and we're just using, for the most part, just the four-duck spreader, not the seven. So you've got about 15 decoys, and you put those uh, motion spreader in the middle of them, and you can put ripples throughout the entire spread. And I can tell you, I I haven't looked at my numbers, but I can tell you we have not had problems finishing birds on no wind days this year um, with that setup. So get that now. It's much better than your traditional Jerk rig, as far as setting up and putting away, it it's a better system, and that is Duck Gun Twenty Twenty. That's all caps, no space. Duck Gun Twenty Twenty. That's ten percent off with free shipping.
0: Awesome. <clears throat> also, like to give a big thanks out to Onyx. Um, you guys can check them out on online on your computer, PC, Mac, whatever you got, or you can check them out um, on app, mobile, whatever. Uh, but they are the perfect online source for. Um, checking all of the land ownership for um, your duck hunting spots as well as public land uh, boundaries you know, where you can hunt on there legally. Uh, so definitely check out those guys. I've been using them a ton. You know, I've used them before uh, we were partnered with the podcast, but even, even now I use it even more. So um, it's just crazy. If you look at, if you, if you were to look at my Onyx on my phone, the number of pins I got, it's just, it's just such a good way to track everything you got, every spot that you can think of. Um, and, you know, for me, I use color-coded too. That way I got a whole system made up <laughs> for myself to be able to, to to say if I have access to it, um, if it's something that's legal to hunt as far as Pokeland land goes um, that I'm looking for in the future. And maybe, maybe we need to do a whole podcast on it because it's hard to kind of chalk it up in, in a quick little – um, segment everything you can do with the app, but um, it's just perfect for the hunter. If you don't have, if you don't have Onyx, you're not using Onyx. Um, then and and there's people in your area that are. You're wonder 100 at a disadvantage to um, getting permission and getting the spot to someone that has Onyx at their fingertips. So definitely check those out, guys. If those guys out, you won't regret it.
1: And those of you that listen to the podcast a lot, one of the best ways that you can help us is just by checking these sponsors out. And I will say, um, appreciate you guys so much on our Facebook page fellowship at the deck gun. Um, we see a lot of banded in your pictures and Avery and GHG. So thank you for that. It's It's a great product in Jordan. And I've been using it for two years now, both of us just absolutely love banded Avery and GHG products. Um, so make sure and go check that out. And speaking of the Facebook page, quick side note, I've been getting on there a lot, Jordan. And for some reason, when people try to join the group, it's not coming to my phone anymore. And I don't think it's coming to yours either because I get on there and there has been so many new people on coming over to the podcast. I think Facebook has changed the way that they're showing. We're getting a lot of people that are just getting mentioned to the fellowship of the Duck Guns page on Facebook. I bet you it's picking up 25 to 40 a day the last four or five days. So it's really been, I've been having fun clicking through that. So go over and, and um, join us on Facebook fellowship of the duck guns.
0: Awesome. Um, also like to give a big thanks out to HTR innovations, American made products there as well. Um, got everything from a frames, quack packs, layouts, and marsh stands. And with HTR innovations, the the flagship product is definitely Um, the old marsh stand, those things, um, are being seen around. We've been seeing them a lot more, um, just everywhere on social media. Uh, so definitely check out those guys that, that little marsh stand is a game changer. You know, you stick it right there in the mud, uh, or the water, you know, up to, up to like 30 inches deep. You can put your gun on it. You put your ammo on it, your blind bag, everything's out of the water. You can hunt there standing in the water. And you don't have to worry about holding your gun all the time. So um, definitely check out those guys and everything they got over there at htrinnovations.com. And the promo code we got for you guys is Space 10 for 10% off and free shipping.
1: And I'll say the HDR A-frame has changed our hunting. Absolutely. That one product has had the biggest impact on our hunt style of any product that I've got since the H-12, for real. I mean... You know that I was skeptical about it in the beginning. I'm not. I'll talk a little bit more about it when we talk about one of the hunts we used it where I'm like, all right, we're absolutely putting it to the test right here as far as concealment. And so, man, if you don't have an A-frame, I'm telling you guys, get a big jet sled and an A-frame from HTR. It'll change your hunting. I promise you. Uh, Then on to finisher, which, you know, I've used that multiple times this year and I really like it, especially on geese. Um, We had a day where on the Flyways Collective where we shot a ton. We shot seven-man limit, and um, that was one of the first times I got a chance to use the finisher on a goose, and it was wonderful. It's just you know most people, a lot of people, just don't have success in ringing necks, and it it leads to a lot of suffrage of the game. So go ahead and get that finisher at adrenaladrenal-line.com. Um, it's great for dispatching your game. The promo code is DuckGun15, no spaces.
0: Awesome. Um, also, like to give a big thanks out to Boss Shot Shell, American-made high-density shells. Um, you know, copper-coated bismuth. So the big, the big plus you can use with that, you get just a bigger bang um, with the heavier bismuth using smaller shot sizes. So you got a more dense pattern and just all around, they're a high-quality shell, high-quality powder. And, you know, definitely awesome to support American made company. I know we've both been shooting them here for the last couple of years and they are extremely deadly and yep. it'll be, it'd be hard to go back to shooting old regular steel when you've been shooting bismuth and you just know without a doubt that they're just more deadly than still there's, you know, there's just no way around it. So, um, it's just a little bit more, honestly, when you look at it, it's not really yeah, that it's not that much more to, to upgrade to bismuth from still shots. Um, and compared to anybody else that makes bismuth, you know, the, the thing they have over their competition is one. Um, they do put it at a, a, a very competitive price, um, you know, just because they do the direct-to-consumer. They don't go to the big box stores. They're just a local homegrown company, and they're growing fast. They're growing huge. And the other thing is nobody else has copper coated because that is, that is their trademark, their patent on that. Um, so far and away, the best shells out there you can get, Boss Shot Shell. Check them out at BossShotShells.com.
1: And yeah, real quick, the copper coating just helps each pellet keep its form and not um, get, what's the word I'm looking for, get disfigured. And when they get disfigured, they they don't fly straight. So the copper coating helps keep them their those pellets forms and helps the pattern just be that much better. It, it makes a difference. They're absolutely deadly lethal shells, without a doubt.
0: All righty. Let's go ahead and um, jump into today's podcast. So, uh, you know, like we said right before we jumped into the partner segment, um, we're going to be talking about some of the hunts we got uh here recently so <laughs> um you know I'll let, I'll let you go ahead start you know talking about uh some of your kansas marsh hunts i know okay. one in particular you probably want to hit up um so yeah let's, let's go ahead and hear it
1: yeah well tonight i would like to talk at uh, two segments so aiden and my dad and i took a trip and we went on two days in a row hunts i'd like to talk about those and then i'd like to talk about the stranded river trip i think that would be fun um, to talk about that as well. So, um, but the first one, so fumbles Aiden and myself fumble mitts is my dad. His name is Carl. And we call him fumble mitts. And, um, so we took a trip to one of our favorite areas and we hit it just right. And I've, I've, I've preached on this a lot, you know, um, when the ice starts coming off of marshes, it's a great time to be there. And, um, So we rolled in and we stayed at my dad's camper. My dad happens to well, he's getting ready to sell it, unfortunately, but he had his camper parked on my uncle's land. And so we were able to stay there for two days and get both of these hunts in. So we got a tip from a guy that we knew um kind of where the mallards were working, um, because we hadn't had a chance to really scout or anything. And we're actually planning on scouting pretty much in the same area, actually about I'd say a quarter mile from this, from this spot. And so, um, this guy kind of said, all right, here's where I've been seeing him. I think you guys should set up here. And so he was relaying the information to Aiden. And by the way, by the way, this is on my YouTube channel for that I hunting. I feel like it's my favorite video that I have maybe ever put out. Um, I told Aiden from the beginning of this video, cause I'd been using the GoPro for a lot of footage, the hunts before. And I'm like, okay, I just shot a, a limit, The week before I'm like, no GoPro footage. There's three of us. We're going to be aggressive with this camera, aggressive with the zoom in and try to get as, as good of close ups and shots of the birds as we can. So that was the goal going in. And, um, we achieved that, I think at a higher level than we have on any video on my channel. So anyway, we got there in the dark and we didn't exactly know, um, the spot in which we, we kind of knew where we were trying to find. But in the dark, we were struggling to find it. And so it, it wasn't a long walk in. We got to like the smart weed and the cattails and we knew that there was an open hole in this area. And so as Aiden and I started walking through the smart weed and stuff to find them, we were we were flushing mallards. I said on the video, like pheasants. I mean, it wasn't just like first wave your initial huge flush of birds where it's quacking, flushing everywhere. And I'm sure that most of you have experienced that in the dark where you just hear all that flushing. But there were so many birds in there that even when we were walking through, we were flushing. Like, I'm, I'm not joking with my head flashlight on and a shotgun. I could have shot my limit. I know it's illegal. It's actually not <laughs> illegal. And it's not illegal in Europe. You could actually do this in Europe in certain places. At least you used to be able to. I know because I read a book about it. But, um, and so as we were walking, 15-yard mallet just flushing right from under your feet. And it wasn't all at once. It was like you're walking, there's one flush. Then another one flushes. The only thing, the only thing I've, I've experienced similar to that is out pheasant hunting. I mean, it was crazy. But unfortunately, we could we looked for an hour, and we could not find open water. We just couldn't to where all the birds were. And not to mention that, we are getting deeper into the smartweed, deeper in the cattails. And if we get to that kind of walking with my dad, he's 77, we really need to boat in which we could have, but we just decided not to. We just, the walk was so short, we decided to walk it. So <clears throat> we were feeling so a really little
0: discouraged. Were those birds just sitting on the ice? Or I don't understand, like...
1: No, there was no ice. The ice was gone.
0: So was but you said you couldn't gone. find open water. Oh, so it was just all vegetation.
1: Yes, yes, all vegetation. Yeah. It was just thick, smart weed, thick to the point where there's no way you're setting up in it. Okay. I mean... We're pretty, we're pretty serious about not losing birds. So even if we get a small hole, we're probably not going to set up in it because if you're dropping birds in, in smart weed, you're going to lose some, you just are. So yeah, it was, we couldn't find any holes in, in the vegetation. Thank you for clarifying. Um, so we ended up having to start going north away from where, and even though we had flushed them, it were still just quacking everywhere. It's not like you flush them and they're gone, which happens sometimes just quacking everywhere. But we kept having to work away from all the quacking until we finally found this island, which in some of these marshes, and I don't know how many states do this, and I, I wish no states did it, um, but they will they will dig out little holes and put islands for people to sit on. And then <laughs> the islands grow tall vegetation, and so if you're not good at concealing yourself and you don't really know how to play the game, you can go to an island and just kind of sit on or around an island. Um, and they're just kind of eyesores, and I don't like them. And I wish I didn't make them. But anyway, so we were basically ended up relegated to set it up around the sun, and we didn't set up on it. We set up on the shore, and we were—I mean, our emotions kind of bottomed out because we just don't like sitting around the islands. It was way away from the quacking. Now we're probably, you know, three hundred yards away from all the quacking. Which you know, I mean, you can get spinoffs and stuff, but we just—we were not happy. In fact, we contemplated. Going back to the truck, waiting for the sun to come up because the tip that we got was the, the guy basically said, you know, don't even go in there early. Just wait till the sun comes up and find <laughs> him and go. But, you know, we weren't smart enough to actually follow his advice. <clears throat> we did the second day. <clears throat> Excuse me. We contemplated just going back to the truck. But we're like, okay, let's just set up here. We're not going to set up the A-frame because we were dragging. Aiden was dragging the A-frame and the dog stands and I was dragging all the decoys and stuff. So we're like, let's not even set up the A-frame. Um, which I do consider the one downside of an A-frame, it's harder to to move. It's harder to get motivated to move if you're in an A-frame. That's the only downside I see to it. Um, anyway, so we went in and we put out a couple dozen decoys and we sat up against this bank. We didn't even really get fully brushed. We're like, we're just going to start here and we're going to be ready to move. And so um, as the sun came up, I mean, there was definitely that 300 yards away was no doubt the X. Um, but we were getting kind of a single uh, within the first 15 minutes, we had three different singles came right in and just hover. And we shot those and we're three for three and we were sitting there a little while and we kept watching all these birds. They would kind of come over our head at about a hundred and they would go down to that spot and just dump in. I mean, it was just like, Oh man. So we were like, we're going to have just move. We're going to move to the X. And about the time we said that all of a sudden, we had a flurry of movement where a pair of Mallard drakes come, come, come in perfect. And I'm normally the when it's the three of us, if I've got the camera, Aiden's the shot caller. If Aiden's got the camera, I've got the shot caller. Uh, I'm the shot caller. <laughs> and so Aiden, Aiden was um, on the camera. And so these two drakes, I just picked up the gun because I had been filming um, previously these two drakes just come straight in, absolutely perfect. One on my side, one on my dad's side, and I'm 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 about another one second count. I'm gonna call the shot, and my my dad he pulls up, kills the Drake on my side in my lane, and then he, before I can get a shot off, he kills the other one too. <laughs> he kills a double, and I'm like, first of all, I, I'm like okay, because I, I shot pretty pretty carefully uh i thought that i got my shot off just before his and so i thought i shot it but he's like nope he's like i killed them both and on the video i get, it's one of my favorite parts of the video i'm giving him a hard time because i'm like he literally doesn't wait till i call the shot kills my bird on my side and then his too and um but we i, I slowed down the gopro footage because you can hear on the video me saying i shot i think i got my shot off before he did and i did but you could tell that it was the second shot that it killed it and so he was being kind of cocky about it. He's like, cause I'm giving him a hard time. I was like, you shot my bird. I wasn't mad at all. I mean, if my dad shoots a double out from under me, I think that's awesome. He's 77. I think it's hilarious. I wasn't mad at all, but I was certainly busting his chops about it and stuff. Um, and so then that put us up to five ducks and we just get it. The dogs bring the birds back and Aiden's like, pintails, pintails. And um, so here comes two pintail drakes. And Pintail drakes are finicky to to decoy in. I, I have we have had more success with pintail drakes this year, hovering over the spinners than for a long, long time. Um, even I, like we'll get. We've had two or three different hunts now where we will all shoot our pintails, and then we'll have two or three other passes of pintails just hovering. I mean, right over and tip, typically drakes. So these two drakes, they're coming in. They swing around on the right side. And they are like so close as they come in, and and they're almost side by side. I pulled to take the first shot, and I was a little bit afraid I was actually going to get a a, a, double, a two on what's that, a Scotch double?
0: That yeah, called. Scotch double.
1: When I pulled the trigger, I was a, l- a little bit worried that I was going to kill them both. I probably should have hesitated a second, but I kill the first one, he kills the second one, both both pintail drakes land simultaneously in fifteen. His was about fifteen yards, mine was about ten, just right in the decoys. So now we're up to seven. And two more come in. I can go up to eight, so now it's like all of a sudden we went from thinking that we were gonna, um, actually, that put us up to 10, thinking that we were gonna move at three ducks, so now we've got 10. And uh, it's just turning into one of those hunts where you're just like, okay, we're gonna shoot our limit today. You know, when you have great hunts, you have that moment where you're like, we're gonna shoot a limit today. I mean, you can just, I, I had that moment one time with Jordan, and then the ice hole <laughs> froze up. <laughs> in fact, I was like, Jordan don't shoot that duck. We're going to shoot a limit. Mm. That was that moment on that day, but that stupid ice hole <laughs> shrunk and froze. <laughs> yeah. Jordan's Kansas luck for you right there. <laughs> we would have shot a limit that day had that ice hole. Not. Oh yeah. Not froze up. Um. So anyway, um, we were just having the best time, but all of a sudden the, the craziest thing on this hunt is that we shot all our birds with no wind. I mean, that water was like glass didn't even have the decoy spreader out there because it was supposed to be windy, but, it, but there was no wind. And as soon as that wind picked up, the bird stopped working. It was like completely counter opposite to what what you think. The wind picked up. Also, they wouldn't even look at us. Hmm. And so we waited there about another hour and a half. And the whole time, we're just watching them dump it, continue to go to that X and dump it in there and fly out of that, fly in it. And uh, so finally, even though we've got 10, it's like 11 o'clock. And we're like, let's just go right there. I, I actually walked over there, was watching. You could, I mean, it's like, It's going to be easy. Let's go. Um, So we walked back to the truck, um, put everything away, actually put the big boat on, motored right into that spot, flushed a bunch of birds out of there. And this time we were going to set up the A-frame because we didn't have, there wasn't much good enough cover in there and we just wanted to do it right. So we got the A-frame set up and um, Aiden was putting the boat away to hide it. And I'm actually, I love this part of the video too. I'm talking on camera. And because we're not I'm standing, we're both standing up out of the A-frame. I'm talking on camera and I look up and there's I counted on video. I said 40, there was 41, 41 mallards. They they weren't like approaching, they were like wing set, just floating in down it. And they saw us standing up there. And even though even though they saw us, there
0: was one that dropped almost in range. Yeah, it looked like and there's I'm a told. couple that you could have if he hasn't been yeah. ready, it's like I mean they're coming down.
1: Yeah, they were coming. I, we would have landed. I think we would have landed probably that whole group had we been sitting there. Uh that's the biggest group I've ever had um that close before, honestly. Forty. And so we didn't have our guns ready. We were just standing, you know, Aiden, you can hear actually hear the motor in the background of Aiden motoring around, but they you know, when you get an X, you get an X. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're just dumping in. And so we got down real quick and everything. And um I think that next group that came in was probably part of that big group because you can't quite tell it on the video, but it was like 30 seconds later, a group of about 25. I had the camera up. My dad had his gun ready. And I think that he actually pulled up on them a little tiny bit too early um, because they didn't fully finish in, but he did kill one out of there. Um, and at the end of this hunt, I want to get your opinion <laughs> on a comment, a comment that I got about, about this section of the hunt, um, which I'll I'll wrap this up in a second, but um, I'm going to tell you what this comment was and see what your thoughts were. Um, And so that group finished. Aiden gets back within the next 45 minutes. We shoot. Let's see. We had eight more birds. So my dad, we shot our seven more birds and kind of just took turns and it was not no more big groups, but it was singles up to five birds right down in the decoys. And we finished up by about two o'clock. And so it was just, it was just as much as satisfying of a duck hunt as I personally have ever had, or that I think that I can have. I'm with my dad, I'm with Aiden, who's, you know, one of my very best hunting buddies, if not the best other than my dad. And, um, you know, it was just one of those days is complete total satisfaction. It was just, it was the reason it's what all of us are chasing when we go and waterfowl hunt is what it was so it was just spectacular it was just great awesome um, so here here's the comment i got all right this guy of course i don't want to alienate our audience it seems like all these guys from the south always have a bone to pick about something is <laughs> how it feels if if i get someone on my comments if they're making a comment and they want to identify themselves as a part of the country it's in the south cuz i never get well those guys up here in canada i never get that <laughs> i never get i never get well those guys on the west coast it's always like, well, down south. And um, so here, here's what he was saying. It was unethical of my dad to shoot into that flock of 27 because he's educating the birds, but it's okay for them down in the south. if If you have six guys, it's okay to shoot into a flock. If you have one, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I said, so. Okay, let me get this straight. My dad's going to shoot one, take one shot and one bird out of that flock, and that is wrong because it's educating birds. We should, on that day, here's what we should have done. Hey, Dad, I know this flock of 27 is coming in. Wait. We don't want to ruin it for that group of six down south.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm struggling with that logic.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I've definitely heard the same thing about um educating them and I mean it does, right? If you shoot in a flock of forty-one, they're educated, but the thing is I feel like they're shot at like their whole way down. So it's not like that's the first time those birds have been shot at. Yeah. So I don't well, know. It's I just, so
1: magical to get a big group to come in. It's so magical.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And for them to expect us to be like, I can't take even one shot at him <laughs> because I'm saving it for you guys down there South. Yeah. To have that thought process of like expecting us to be like, to, to, to have that and be like, no guys, we can't ruin it for those Southern boys. They have it so hard. It's so hard for them to decoy birds. Oh, hold on. You're in the timber. You don't have to cover. You stand under a tree and kick your foot and talk as much as you want. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought you said you didn't want to alienate the audience. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, think
1: I just am tired of hearing that. Now I know, okay. I, I, I've got friends that hunt in the South. I like them very, very much. <laughs> yeah. Just, just be, be like careful like what you ment-
0: say because I I'm not going like to edit this mentality. part
1: out. <laughs> I don't like this mentality of somehow poor me. It's so hard. Yeah. you've If, if you're hunting in the South, okay, and maybe some of you have done this. But if you're hunting the timber, you've never, if if you're a timber hunter, let me just say this, if you're a timber hunter or a rice field pit blind hunter, right, (laughs) you don't know how hard it is to get hidden in a prairie marsh. Okay. It is really, really hard. It's not an easy thing. With no trees, vegetation that doesn't get up, that's difficult. It's difficult to fool those birds. So maybe your bird's a little more wary down there. I would say that I believe that because they sit there and they stay in the same area. But if you're a timber hunter and you're standing beside a tree and you don't even have to worry about concealment at all there, that is an advantage as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: You ready for my hot take? And most of those rice fields have those blinds in it that you just have to sit in.
0: You're you ready for my hot no. take? Here we go. All right. we have it. So... It is I don't know what the right feeling is but like when you see a flock come in and like one shot and one bird it's almost like the same feeling I had when you were in Nebraska for your teal season and you guys just weren't killing birds. Do <laughs> you know what I'm talking about?
1: You're saying cuz so, okay these early videos there was so many teal There's and we So had many a teal. On this on our first and second hunt, so we were going one person at a time and just taking singles. Yeah, we were being no, no, no. You weren't even
0: doing that. You just weren't even shooting. (laughs) (laughs) I said we were being very selective. Okay, you were, but it was beyond that. Like very selective is like, (laughs) it's like okay. There was no like the way it is is there's like zero urgency. Yeah, because you know you're going to be fine. And so like,
1: many birds. You're bird watching half the time and just cherry picking. Yeah, you're just cherry picking and bird watching. You're just waiting for the absolute easiest,
0: ultimate best. But shot. no, but they're all they were. There's so many that were, but it's like you didn't have to like worry about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you yeah. had birds that just literally like went right over your de- like decoys or through your decoys and all that. And it's like yeah. that same way when you work in this big flock of 27. Like, if it was me and three other guys, like it would have been like guns ablazing because we we don't we don't have that many chances right so i think yeah. that's probably where the sentiment comes from you know a southern boy whoever it is that watches it and sees a flock of 27 come in and you're like how about we only just shoot one
1: <laughs> well that was not the goal
0: I, well yeah but like there's there's no I'm sense of it. urgency is what i'm getting at because yeah. you you know you're going to shoot your limit yeah in the hunt and so it doesn't matter if fumbles only Pulls up and shoots one, but for for real, like when I watched it and he shot one, I'm like, that's it, like, <laughs> <laughs> like because you want to see, like, I don't know, it's just, yeah. So I I get I, I get the sentiment. I don't get, I guess, the part where he's saying like that. I guess you shouldn't do it. Um, you know, but I, I mean, I know there's people who definitely don't shoot in the fox to not educate it, but usually it's because usually it's a selfish reason like they're doing it for themselves they're not shooting into a flock because they're roosting nearby and you might be hunting the same flock later on so you just pick off the the smaller groups and and you know
1: that to me is a grand sense of no urgency if you're passing on big flocks yeah i'll say that um now to clarify there's three of us. We If Aiden would have been in the blind at the time, they both would have been shooting. And Aiden would have gone for more than one bird. And I will say my dad is going for more doubles too. But he, I think like, he pulled up a little early on that group. And even when he shot out of it, by the time he – because he's 77. So he's got to stand up in the blind and he's sitting in knee-deep water. He's got to stand up out of the blind, get on a bird. And he could not have shot a double out of that group if he had wanted to. Um, it just didn't present itself, but, and I mean, you know, my whole goal is to film. So, and I certainly want to get that on video. Oh, yeah. So I do, I do understand that, you know, it's fun when you see a group come in and six or seven drop and like on that goose hunt, uh, that's one of my favorite parts of like, we killed seven geese on one pass. And that's one of my favorite part of the videos is when that many birds <laughs> go down. It's, it's certainly cool. But let me, let me say this about educating birds. Okay. There is absolutely no way that you can put any kind of understanding on how much one moment in a duck's life actually changes their behavior. It's all speculation. It is 100% speculation. We don't know if one shot on a group of 27, the effects of that. And for you to say it educates them, of, of course, yes, anytime that a bird gets shot at, it, it educates. We have absolutely no idea how many times ducks get shot at in their life. If they're coming down from Canada, clear down to wherever, Texas, Arkansas, there is no way. I guess you could some super geek could come up with some kind of equation <laughs> that the probability is that a duck is shot at, but I mean, come on. Yeah. It's all speculation. Yeah.
0: So I mean, I'd say that there's a lot of speculation, but you think about like like sky busting. We say like sky busting is, is part of like mm-hmm. spec is is part of I guess the speculation we have is as far as educating birds, but I mean, you can take some some kind of um, statistics from it. They're not statistics, but <laughs> that's not the right word. You can interpretation, you can, yeah, and yeah, you can see from you know Titus, for example, where he lives out in very high um, populated areas with high pressure, and it's harder for him to decoy birds, right? Because of that, just because they know in those areas, right?
1: But at the same time, he's hunting. What he told me is he's hunting with about a person, about 100 every 150 yards. There are people. And in this state, if you hunt an opening day where they're not educated at all and you've got guys every 150 yards, there it's going to be really, really difficult to decoy them just on that day because of what's happening that day, yeah. not necessarily from what happened a week ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like I mean, you, know, because, you know, we don't know for sure, but you de- definitely is. I mean, we do have effect on them to some degree.
1: No, no, no doubt. No doubt. But also when, when are birds, the dumbest couple times, number opening day where they haven't had any pressure on them, or if they are traveling to a new place, then they are also become very, very dumb. They're, they don't have a long memory. You get them over an ice hole that they've been using for a couple of days. You can stand out in the middle of them and shoot them. So it's like, I would, what I believe is the number one, the number one factor To whether birds are smart, weary, whatever, it's how long they've been in that area. And I believe that's what the Southern guys are experiencing. The birds get down there and they stay in those spots. And when they stay in the spots, they learn the spots, they learn the public. I do believe that. And they get really, really wary. But I don't think it's because, I don't think that it's um, travel distance. I think it's how long they're in an area. Because every time they show up in our area, when you get up front and they're there new, they don't know the areas. They become really dumb. Or like, say, you catch them on a river where they're using the river for three or four days. They're very dumb. Even late season birds are very dumb at that time, that point in time. So to me, from my personal experience, what causes them to be so wary is is when they're in an area for long periods of time and they're getting shot at a lot. But I think they've got a fairly short, a fair a shorter memory than people think when, from what I or else, why would they be so dumb when they show up to an area?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yep. No, I agree with you. So, so anyway. Side <laughs> note, that's an
1: interesting conversation. And I don't have anything against Southern Hunters. Like I said, I've got friends that are great friends. The Chasing Green guys, Joel Strickland. I love those guys. I love their hunting methods. I love everything about them. I don't have anything against um, Southern Hunters at all. Like I said, they're my friends. I just don't <laughs> like this. Some of the attitudes that get thrown in the comments, I don't care for, but we, I mean, we all get attitudes sometimes, especially Jordan. So the the second day, so that hunt finished the second day, we had a massive weather shift. So that was about, it was a cold day, but it was only about a 10 mile an hour wind up to 15 and it was bright and sunny and happy. The next day, this front hit and it went from a South wind to a North wind and the winds the next day were predicted to be 20 to 25 with gusts up where around 50. So just a completely opposite clouds, moisture, not a lot of precipitation, but some foggy where it was sunny the day before. So we decided, hey, let's wait this next day and see what these ducks do. See, see, get up a little bit later, watch where they're at, and then go in. So we got up, we found the X the night before that the night before, and and uh, oh man, was it the X? Oh my gosh! It, I'll tell you where it was. When you and Josh hunted that spot, it was the same X that you guys were hunting where they were going over you guys' head to that, that pool. um, That's the same spot. Um, you know which place I'm talking about? Oh, no.
0: Not really. Where you shot
1: those redhead devil the first day of the club last year.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Um, just that little hole out there?
1: Well, it wasn't the hole you were hunting, but it was the same place they were flying to. They were They were flying over you guys and going to that back pool, and you guys were pulling off those groups. Okay. And so it was the same, and they were just in there like crazy and no one was hunting them. But we would like, we just decided we're going to wait and see what the wind does and what it does to the birds. So we got up the next day we were out at about shooting time just to watch. And we went and glassed the place we had limited out the day before. And there was some bird movement in there, but not just like crazy. And we should have gone in then, but we didn't. We circled the whole complex. We walked in, we debated where we were going to set up and that what, what was the X the night before was X that morning too. And there was about three groups in there. And um, so we couldn't go there. So finally, like, okay, let's go back to where we were yesterday. Well, by the time that we got there, there was someone in a Montana truck that had walked in and we're sitting there. So we are like, man, we just waited too long. So we weren't at this point. There's, I mean, more ducks this day than the day before way more. I mean, it was like they were everywhere. And, um, so we're like, well, we've been seeing them over on this other side. And, and so we'll just go try this out. But my dad didn't come cause the wind chills were like zero. In fact, this video comes out tomorrow or not tomorrow for you podcast listeners, but we're recording this on the third. Um, this video comes out on the fourth tomorrow. Um, so Aiden and I just went in cause it was too cold for my dad. And so we went in and to where we'd seen these birds work every time we'd been over there and we got in there and there was just like, there was no vegetation to set up in with with the way the wind was working we're like where are we going to set up. And so we did flush about 50 to 75 birds out of the spot and we're like well let's go ahead and, and set up the A frame and and try and just see what happens. Um there's a little bit of vegetation there but b- basically if you watch the video you'll see it it was the it was the A frame all on its own. And I know Jordan you've had success with that and I've always been skeptical of it. Um but it worked. We didn't shoot our limit but it was our it was our fault that we didn't shoot our limit. We had Several misclicks. Um, it was so windy and cold that we were just kind of staying hovered down inside of the A-frame. And the wind was a little bit, it was from our right to a le- our left, but it was a little bit of a crosswind, so it kind of went over our left shoulder. We had three or four birds kind of coming over that shoulder. Or we didn't even see them, and they were through the decoys and out before we could actually get on them. Um, but we ended with three drakes each and two pintail drakes each. And the pintail drakes... I was showing Jordan the sprig earlier. It's the longest sprig I've ever shot, and um, and we saw more p- pintails than about anything. But it was a good hunt. By about two thirty, though, it was it was so ridiculously cold and it was so slow, and we had a drive to make that day. It was one of the first times that I think that the weather kind of pushed me out because I mean, the weather was coming through that A-frame right on me from the right, and it was just blistering cold <laughs> and uh but the birds finished and it was crazy because a, a lot of times in that conditions i would expect if the birds come in you stand out of the a-frame and they would hit that wind and just sail but for some reason you could stand up out of the day frame and they would still be hovering before they even they weren't seeing us even when we stood up and so the shooting was relatively easy actually um so we ended with eight but we really should have had our limit and um but it was still a good day it's so a good day.
0: So that was. Did you our, mean you met yeah. one pintail each, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm sorry. Did I say two? <laughs> you said two pintail drakes each. Oh no.
1: Well, two pintails, <laughs> one each. Yeah, sorry. One each. We could have shot two each. And pintails are never around like this in December. It's crazy. Uh, it's been a weird migration because there was we had other pintails. We we could have killed I think five or six pintail drakes on that day. Awesome, but,
0: man. You guys have been hammering them. That's for sure. You know. Um, yeah. I, when you're talking about it, I jumped on the YouTube because uh, I was like, "Man, I haven't—I don't feel like I haven't seen that second one yet." Um, but then, and then you said it's not come out yet. So, uh, but just like looking at your thumbnails, it's like you just got pile after pile after pile, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, my dad and I had the ice hole where we bu- we busted an ice hole, and I filled my waiters' limited up then. So that was Saturday, and then we went back and had the limit on the Monday, and then Naden and I had that hunt on the Tuesday where we shot eight. So that was like three days out of five that we were just putting a whooping on them. Mm. So yeah, it was, that was definitely the best. We've had two really, really hot sections of the year right at the end of October. We had two weekends in a row where we were just tearing them up. And then the, the mid December, there, or kind of mid to late December where we got on a, a roll to and, and we're tearing them up then too. Those are kind of the banner times and then the teal hunts. Those were the kind of the three really hot streaks that we had. Awesome,
0: Definitely a good way to close out kind of the the late part of the season. I know you still got, um, you know, the rest of this month to get on them, but you're going Mm -hmm. into it strong. So
1: (laughs) yeah, our boat broke down and everything's frozen right now. So I'm, I'm anticipating a really difficult, really difficult January. In fact, if I get eight ducks, it's my record of my lifetime. So, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough with the, with the weather conditions I'm seeing with and without a boat. So hopefully we can get the boat fixed sooner rather than later. Yep.
0: Well, you got it. You got a couple weeks to, you know, weather, weather isn't too accurate, you know, more than that. So two weeks and it it could, a lot could change uh, for for the end of your January. Um, Yep. But yeah, let's go ahead and uh, I'll talk about, Um, my, I guess, Michigan hunts. So, uh, Michigan hunts last weekend was the late split for, for Michigan South zone. And, you know, I got the invite from the Kevins to come up there and join them. And there's a spot, um, that we've been, we've been keeping our eye on and by we, I I don't live there. So they've been keeping their eye on it. And Kevin been sending me videos, just birds loading up in it. Um, leading up to that closer. Well, it got it got you know blistering cold here. I think this is pretty much that same same time frame that you guys were getting cold, um, but we were having. I mean, our wind chill was just getting below that zero degree mark, so we're just hitting the negative temperatures, and um, you know everything. It, it just every, it just kept getting colder and colder and staying cold all the way up to that day, and the day before he sent me a video. Everything was open, you know, birds just everywhere and that morning when we got there it it had all but froze up so um i mean it was actually really hard to get in because you couldn't get in from boat access because it was um all locked up that way and we couldn't get in <laughs> or we could barely get in with canoes and kayaks and um to the point where it was frozen where i would i would take my kayak and i'd paddle as hard as i could get up on the on the ice, and then like lean forward and crack through it, and just repeat <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: over and over. And that, I mean, that's borderline. That's it's pretty scary. <laughs> so,
1: How deep was the water there?
0: Uh, deep enough that I don't know. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's.
1: What boat were you in?
0: Um, well, I don't, I don't I remember. Think so. I think it was the big the I think it was the big the big water one thirty two.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be in the one nineteen in that situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, Swamp man came with me. I can't remember if he was in I think he was in the the one nineteen though so <laughs> man and and we both had dogs in our kayaks. so having a dog and doing that um is like, oh, and it was a river, so uh <laughs> oh man,
1: that it, doesn't sound smart,
0: yeah, it was a little i mean it was not flowing fast, and we didn't expect that ice to be that way, and so the cabins yeah. had actually got there before us. So we were planning to hunt out of A-Frame as well. And I literally drove 50 minutes towards them. And so this was like hour and a half drive. 50 minutes towards them. And I realized I forgot the frames to the A-Frame. Like, you know. Uh. <laughs> so <laughs> I turned around and drove back. And so hour and a half drive quickly turned into a three-hour plus drive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So And then you didn't even use it. No, we used it. Yeah, we oh, did they, use it. <laughs> we think did use damn it. Well
1: better use it at that point. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So no, I, I was pulling a sled with that a friend, had chief, and the kayak with me, and they already went through. And in the time they went through, um, it had froze up again. So oh, really? He, yeah. That's how cold it was. And wow. yeah, and he told me that when they had that much trouble, he thought about just calling me and telling me not to come, um, <laughs> because of how kind of sketchy it was um but it really honestly didn't it it didn't feel too bad doing it with the kayak um yeah if it felt unsafe we just wouldn't have done it but um honestly it was harder getting back than it was getting in so we we pushed through there we cracked through it um (laughs) and got out and literally just everything was frozen um you know, there was, there was kind of a main channel where once we got to the bigger part of the, the river that um, it opened up to a lake and it wasn't frozen all the way there. So there was a channel going through that that was open. But where we were hunting was, it was going to be like ankle deep deep to shin deep and we're just going to set the A-frame in it and just, you know, freeze our butts off while we shot limits of ducks and geese. That was the plan, right? <laughs> and so um but we got out there and just everything's frozen so we set we decided to set the a-frame right up there on the ice um we took silhouettes and the kevins go pretty crazy on silhouettes they had 15 dozen silhouettes oh wow (laughs) how'd they get them in the ice um they used a mallet and they uh hammered them down in there so um you know i had never tried that before but yeah yeah, they they did I that have. it's not easy what no, we tried yeah. to
1: do is we had a screwdriver and we were trying to hammer holes in the ice and then put the silhouettes in on top of it and it was still super difficult to do
0: yeah yeah you can do that or you can do um a drill um but they're hammering yeah. them into the ice they're hammering into logs and wow. yeah
1: those must be spike tipped are the what what uh where are those from those silhouettes
0: they're, they were the dive bombs
1: Okay, because I, I I don't think the ones I have I don't think they're spike tips. I think yeah, mine aren't flat.
0: either. But they have I, I'm pretty sure you're right. They they have spike tips on those. So it's still not easy. But yeah. <laughs> especially with fifteen dozen,
1: uh, they they got them all out all fifteen dozen.
0: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there was a ton. We had a ton of decoys out there. These guys are warriors. <laughs> they, they really the are. Gets
1: old. Just they're bending over that many times.
0: Oh, they're definitely they're definitely hardcore man. They uh they'll go for it, whatever it is. Um, That's but awesome. yeah. <laughs> so finally we, we got set up and first light comes and no joke. Um, like we, we couldn't even keep a hole open. That's like, uh, we, we'd walk around, we'd break the ice. And like, by the mm-hmm. time we got back in the blind, it was just froze back over.
1: What were the temps like zero, zero ish?
0: Um, it was higher than zero, but the wind chills were, were lower than zero. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Jeez.
0: So, you know, one of the coolest hunts I've been on in a while. Um in the, at least a couple of years. So Yeah, I mean that's just 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 how it was on that hunt. And uh there was tons of birds. So First Light comes and we have birds just buzzing all around us. Um but ducks and geese are both. Uh, ducks and geese. Mostly I mean, first light was just ducks. And then, you know, not too long after that, I mean, it was geese too. And we had geese cupping in and ducks cupping in. It was super weird though, because um They'd get to about, maybe it's not that weird, but they'd get to about like 25, 30 yards and they'd be like, uh, there's nowhere to land. <laughs> yeah. Because everything was just frozen. So, mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of shots we were getting. They'd cup in, they'd lock up to about 25, 30 yards, and then they, um, would realize that <laughs> there's nowhere to land. And we did have some. We had some. It was kind of weird. Some that would go all the way though, but it was like mm-hmm. the majority. Were like, they they got sketched out about that thirty five to twenty five yard mark, and either would just they wouldn't flare; they just kind of coast out of there. Um, But we had some that would make it even closer. Um, But like that first, the first birds we shot there, it was just like chaos because you know Chief jumped jumped out of his dog blind to go get the retrieve, and like his dog blind since we're just like on pure ice, you know he uses Mm -hmm. it to kick off, and it goes like flying like fifteen yards behind (laughs) us. And then, uh, then I get out of the A-frame, and, and Swamp Man gets out of the A-frame to go pick up birds or help our dogs. And then the A-frame starts blowing across the ice.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. It was it was probably the – I mean, it's hard to remember, but it might have been the most hectic hunt I've ever been on, just with uh-huh. dog blinds going everywhere. And every retrieve was, um, you know, difficult for the dogs, whether it was –
1: slipping and sliding. Yeah.
0: Yep. And then we'd shoot, like – we shot a goose that landed in that main channel. You know, Chief goes and he gets gets off the ice, grabs the goose, and then it's a struggle for him to get back on the ice with the goose in his yeah. mouth. And yeah. I know we've talked about that before, um, but it's like it's it's very hard for a dog to get back up there. But um,
1: I've only seen one dog that can can Chief. The Chief can do it, right? He yeah, can he
0: can on the ice. He he can get back on the, the ice without touching the bottom. Yeah, with a yeah, goose that, in his my, mouth. One of my dad
1: one of my dad's dog could do it. Um, his first one, but other than that, none of
0: mine have been able to. Yeah, it's and we, we did have the kayaks and canoes, so if they needed help, we would have been able to get in there. But every bird, it, like, yeah, it was, it's just weird. Every.
1: Hey, do you think if they left dogs dew claws on when they're pups, it th- I think that would help them get up on the ice, wouldn't it?
0: Um, I don't think because no. that
1: dew claw is like right kind of where our wrist is. I'm thinking that
0: might. May I don't know. Huh. It's limp. I don't think it does much. It just kind of no. sits there. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. I don't think I don't think that would help much, but I mean he definitely uses his claws to get he uses his claws, he kind of pulls and pulls until he can get one of his back feet up there and then he's golden. So That's impressive. Yeah. But the ice was in some spots the ice was kind of like where if we walked across it it wasn't safe, but the dogs could run across it and so yeah. I mean even though it, it kind of you know um <laughs> chief broke through on one of those and then he climbed back out. You, you just any time you deal with ice like that, it's just it's not my favorite thing (laughs) because you're creepy. Yeah. You feel, you just hear stories about people and horror stories about dogs or people or whatever, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, that's always kind of in the back of your mind, but I mean, you know, you just do your best to, to play it safe and, and, you know, know, know how to deal with it. But, um, we ended up on the day. Oh man. Now I can't remember. We shot one golden eye. We shot two wood ducks, which was super weird, right? Wow. The last weekend of December, <laughs> two wood ducks, um, six mallards, and uh, we shot our limit, our four man limit of geese. Wow. What a great day. Yeah. Uh, it was an awesome hunt. So
1: and he told me that your camera files got corrupted.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I the, really wanted to see that hunt. Yeah. No, ever. Yeah. It was, it was super spotty on the footage. There's no way to make a uh, cohesive video because with those cold temps, my GoPros just took turns turning off and I'd get back on Mm. and then the other one would die just from the cold. It wasn't the batteries dying. The cameras, it's like similar to to overheating. They just shut off from the elements. Like they're just not (laughs) rated Mm. to work in those temperatures. So, and, And when they shut off like that, the files just, instead of being saved, you get a corrupted version of the file that just doesn't, the computer doesn't know what to do with it when it opens essentially. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I won't be able to make a video from it. Um, So that'll just be one for the member banks. It was a lot of fun. Um, But yeah. So,
1: you know, you can uh, tape foot warmers on those. I've had success in the past doing that.
0: Yeah. And I've, I haven't, I've never had an issue in the past where I've had that much turning off and I've hunted in cooler temps. I think it was, it might, maybe it had partially to do with the amount of wind because it was really windy. Yeah, I've
1: had problems with it this year. Um, anything below about 25, at the beginning of the hunt, when I turn the GoPro on, I have to hold it in my hand and get a little warmed up or it won't stay on. And then once I get it warmed up, it's fine. But that's just even like 20 degrees. Mm. Yeah, that's no good. Doing that. No. Yeah. And then my shot cam has been, even at 35 degrees, um, has been failing, which I've been, essentially got zero shot cam footage this whole year, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, that's but. no good. that sounds like a really interesting oh i know i was gonna ask you how'd you guys what'd you use for chairs inside because i mean i assume (laughs) that you'd have your marsh seat in there and those don't work on ice
0: yeah no so um i actually lost my marsh my, my marsh seat um so i don't know where it went but i so i took a camp chair but even then on the ice my camp chair like slid out from under me at one point.
1: Yeah. And
0: like I landed on my hand and like hyperextended my fingers. So <laughs> Oh man. It still hurt. I mean we're like a week and a half <laughs> away from that and it's still it's still uh tender <laughs> to pull my fingers know, back.
1: Well, that does sound like a cool hunt. I love icy river hunts. They're so much fun. Yeah.
0: Definitely uh, you know, um we don't get that the those type of hunts. It's something that's so different from all the other hunts. I think that's what makes it cool because, mm-hmm. you know, you might do a field hunt, and they're all pretty similar. Um, you might do your typical lake or river hunts, but, like, it's just so rare you get, you know, where everything's freezing over like that and just different types yeah. of elements you have to overcome and then to be able to get the job done, you know, still after that. So Yeah, it's very yep. true. So then I went so, on – actually went on another hunt with them the, the, the day after that, um, and – we went on a goose hunt, <laughs> hoping we'd get some ducks, and um, did a field hunt, setting up sil- silhouettes again. And, and they did something, which I think you've probably done it in the past, just laying out in whites. And I think that's the first mm-hmm. time I've ever done that, where it's just solely laying out in whites. Well, I guess we did it on the ice, which is, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. you know. I didn't think we had white on that day,
0: though. You're right. We didn't even have We didn't have whites. It would have been nice to have whites on that one. Yeah, but we blend into the to the The, tree logs and the logs and stuff. So it was similar to to that. Right. Um, we just laid on the ground. Um, we had multiple flocks work in, honestly, they didn't working super great, but I think it's because a lot of the snow kind of melted. And so our plan kind of backfired on us a little bit. We would have been, I think we've been better off with just doing the traditional a frame Mm -hmm. uh, type game on that, but you know, it's uh, just something that you never know until you get out there and, you realize that a lot of the snow melted from the day before, um, but yeah, that's how we ended our our Michigan season, um, and I, I think we shot six total on that hunt. So, it's
1: a pretty good weekend.
0: Oh yeah, definitely a a step up from from what we've had going on in the past. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, Elliot, you got any last last thoughts?
1: Nope. I just make sure you guys check out these videos on YouTube, freelance duck hunting, and Duck on Chronicles. And don't forget our Patreon page, where we've got some extra content going on over there from both Jordan and myself. Come join that community: Patreon.com/slash/ freelance duck hunting. And you can actually get a two for one. You can get signed up for the hunt stats, freelance hunt stats, and Patreon um, for a two for one or over there.
0: Awesome. All right, folks. Well, we have a lot, a lot of more fun hunts to talk about. Some interesting things, river hunting, and Elliot. Well, I guess his is a river adventure too. So, uh, it was. Stay tuned, guys. Next one will come. Be, next one will be coming out shortly. We got some river adventures to share with you. But that's all we got for tonight. I'm Jordan Ducking Chronicles. Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.